Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. Timeline for you this Tuesday, 9.47 a.m. Eastern Time. The Rams announced left tackle Andrew Whitworth. Big Wit will return for 2019. This is coming after Whitworth tweeted, can't wait for the opportunity to ride with the boys again. 11.53 a.m. Eastern, 49ers announced they've placed franchise tag on kicker Robbie Gold. San Francisco becomes the first team to use the tag this offseason. And it's 12.38 Eastern Time. Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones said he's confident a deal will get done between the team and defensive end Demarcus Lawrence. So welcome to NFL Live. Jack Collinsworth, Diana Rossini, Super Bowl champ Ryan Clark, and Andrew Hawkins. What do you think? Is this the right move? We'll start with you, Ryan. The right move for Dallas to try to get something done with Lawrence. Absolutely. This is a guy who is one of the premier pass rushers in the league. We watched him take over games last year. He said he was going to go out and punch the Saints in the mouth, and that's exactly what he did. He said he wouldn't play <laughs> under a franchise tag this year. So if you're Stephen Jones, if you're the Dallas Cowboy organization, you have to get something done with Demarcus Lawrence because he is the leader of that front seven. What do you guys think? Hey, he's got to be a big, big money coming his way. Big money is well-deserved, though. I mean, we yeah. say all the time, when the guy is up, when you show what you've done on the field, it's time to give him the bag. Now you get the bag. I remember talking to him during the Pro Bowl, and I asked him, you know, do you have any confidence that Dallas is going to do this right, that they're going to take care of you? He said, I do, actually, and I want to be a Dallas Cowboy. He made it very clear there is no other team he wants to play for, and, of course, he feels like he deserves it. And top of it, Dallas also has other uh, contracts that they're going to have to deal with. we got Dak Prescott, Byron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, Stephen Jones also addressed Ezekiel Elliott today, saying we're going to do everything we can to pay him. We know what Todd Gurley got paid, and that's probably the number we're going to start at. So Dallas is ready to, to go to the bank and start paying their players. And, and one other note on Diana's point there. So Todd Archer is reporting, our Cowboys reported, the Cowboys plan to meet this week with Todd France, who is the agent for quarterback Dak Prescott, as they look to begin a long-term deal with the quarterback. So a whole bunch of Cowboys money news as we go. Our top story of the day, though, Robert Kraft, who's been formally charged with two counts of soliciting another to commit prostitution. Yesterday we learned that one of those instances was on January 20th. That night, Kraft jetted west to watch the Patriots beat the Chiefs and earn a trip to Super Bowl 53. So here is Michelle Steele and TJ Quinn, who are all over this story in Jupiter, Florida. TJ, I think a lot of people are wondering not just why a strip mall massage parlor, but why one that was about a 30-minute drive from his residence in Palm Beach. Well, among those people, you can include prosecutors and investigators. I spoke to a couple of officials who said they frankly have no idea why he would. But one thing they found striking, there was no effort to really conceal who he was. This is, as you said, a strip mall. He walked in and out of the front door after a driver pulled up in a Bentley, waited for him uh, in broad daylight both times. Another big question is whether or not Robert Kraft knew that these women were trafficked. Now, there's no allegation that he did, but what can you tell us about the status of the women involved in his two visits? Now, state prosecutors have said that a number of women inside, who are especially the ones living inside the spa, were trafficked. 
from what we can tell, the two women who have been associated with Robert Kraft may not have been. One of them was the manager, a, women, a woman who was charged with four counts uh, related to prostitution. Uh, she's about 40 years old. The other woman is 58 years old. She has a valid New York driver's license. Both have Florida State massage licenses. So they weren't exactly living an underground life. More as this investigation continues to unfold. We'll be watching it all. His court date is April 24th. Back to you guys in studio. Okay, thank you, Michelle. So to recap, how about the key points on Kraft? He's been charged with two misdemeanor counts of solicitation, which includes penalties up to one year in jail, along with the fine and community service. A spokesman for Kraft already categorically denied any engagement in illegal activity. So, we'll give you any additional craft information as we get it. Out West, the Raiders are closing in on an agreement that would have them play the 2019 season at their home field, the Oakland Coliseum. There will be a team option for 2020 as insurance should the team's Las Vegas stadium not be ready. The Coliseum Authority would have to sign off on a lease extension with the Raiders. A vote might take place by Friday before approval is required by both the Oakland City Council and the Alameda County to make it binding. So with that, we'll welcome in ESPN Raiders reporter Paul Gutierrez. Paul, what are you hearing about where the Raiders will be playing next season? Yeah, I think you laid it all out. But again, I'll, I'll give you my standard answer to what it's been throughout this whole fluid process. Depends upon the day, depends upon the time of the day. So right now at about, what, uh, 10.35 a.m. on a Tuesday, the 26th of February, it, it looks like all, all signal sign points that they're going to go back to Oakland and finish it out. And and really, it's interesting because that's exactly what owner Mark Davis has wanted from the beginning of this thing. Yeah, they did flirt a little bit with the San Francisco Giants and going to Oracle Park on the waterfront there in an old baseball stadium. Uh, but it looks like it's coming back home, so to speak, for one last run in Oakland. I've talked to Mark Davis throughout this process, and he was very adamant on the record where he says, when we have an announcement to make, We'll make that announcement. And, and like you mentioned earlier, I mean, this thing could be wrapped up by the end of this week, but a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape. It's got to go through the Coliseum Commission, then the city of Oakland, then uh, ultimately the county, Alameda County, to get this thing done. Always is. And so John Gruden's team, really the big story, the three first-round picks in April's draft, one in the top five. What's the focus with that fourth overall pick? You know, they'd be Mike Mayock himself said it. Uh, they'd be foolish not to be looking at an edge rusher, a pass rusher. Uh, this is a team that only had 13 sacks last year. Khalil Mack, the guy they traded away right before the season started, he had 12 on his own. And yet when you combine both the Raiders and Khalil Mack's sacks, they still would have been last in the NFL. So they need somebody to come in there and do that. Now, everybody looks at it before the combine starts. you got two elite edge rushers out there in Bosa and, and, and the kid from Kentucky, Josh Allen. Um, I'm not so sure they're in love with anybody at number four. And as Mayock himself said, if they don't love somebody in that cluster of players at four, there's no harm in trading back down. Uh, I think uh, Kyler Murray is very intriguing, if for nothing else, as a draft capital uh, to get a trade as well. Because if they're, no, they're not really loving anybody there, uh, Derek Carr's salary of $19.9 million, base salary is already guaranteed. Um, but yet, Gruden loves him. So uh, what, there's one thing we know from John Gruden is that we don't know exactly what he's thinking going into the draft. But they do need an edge rusher. Kyler Murray provides uh, some intrigue, if nothing else. Paul, thank you very much. And another thing we do know is they need to hit on those draft picks, and so we'll see if they can do it. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so let's get, let's get into this whole thing with the Raiders. So they probably, in free agency, with the way that this whole roster is kind of dispersed 
need to get aggressive, wouldn't you think, Ryan? No, they, you they, they absolutely need to get aggressive, but also you got to hit on your picks. When you accumulate this amount of picks because you traded away not just good players, but Pro Bowl caliber players, a defensive MVP, you have to get something in return. And so if you don't go out and use these picks, if Mike, Mike Mayock doesn't hit, then they're in trouble. And obviously if you can get into free agency and get some guys that can help this team along right away, you go out and do that. But they need help in so many places. Where does Mike Mayock and John Gruden even start? I think they're like the most interesting team to watch right now. I call it just the Raider experiment at this point. You have a head coach making $100 million. You have a GM who's never done it before. He's a draft guru. They've got all these picks that they need to hit on, as you're saying. But I'm more interested to see if they're going to trade down and see if maybe gain more picks because there is a lot of talent of second and third rounds coming into this draft. Yeah. And really at this point, this, this is just going to be a really big test for this team because – Mike Mayock put it best. He said this entire team needs additions. They need help. There isn't just one specific position at this point where the Raiders need help. Yeah, Hawk, I want to get this to you. So if you're Gruden, that fourth overall pick is going to be a big one. They need to hit something big time. What would be your thought process? Where might you go there? You know what? Honestly, if you're not married to Derek Carr, you should consider getting a quarterback. Mm. Because Gruden's problem is he never commits to a quarterback. He likes to date him. He doesn't like to marry him, as Jeff Garcia famously said. So if you're in a position where John Gruden is, where you've traded away incredible talent, you have a bunch of draft picks, and you're saying, hey, I don't know how I feel about Derek Carr. Go get a quarterback that you do feel good about, that you do want to tie your wagon to. That way you can put up a plan for the organization, for the fans to say, okay, we see the vision. Who's your guy? Uh, I would go with Dwayne Haskins. That's my first guy off the board. To me, though, I'm a Dwayne Haskins though, fan. To me, okay. though, I think, I think that's the, the problem with saying you're going to, even if you're just dating Derek Carr right now, the, 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 the match on the other side might not be as good. Right? When you're talking, when you're looking at Haskins, this isn't last year's quarterback draft where they felt like there were three or four franchise guys. We're now pulling at people trying to make them that guy. And so if you're John Gruden, you can't use that fourth pick. Dwayne Haskins won't be there at 11. You can't use that fourth pick on a quarterback you aren't absolutely sure yep. you want to be your guy. Go get a rusher. Go get a guy who's a plug-and-play guy at a position, right, and hit on him because at least that way you're not wasting picks when you have the opportunity to be better after this draft. But you had the best rusher. You let him walk out the door. Yeah. Well, you know, you know how we're talking about how they gained all these picks? They got to fix the stupidity. With the Amari <laughs> Cooper trade, Stephen Jones was asked, like, you know, what are you going to do when the Raiders have that pick that they used to trade Amari or that you used for Amari Cooper? He said, actually, just sit and watch Amari Cooper highlights. That's what I'm going to do when yeah. the Raiders are up on the board with those picks. So. Yeah, and we told you, so two of the three first-round picks that the Raiders do have are a result of the Mac and the Cooper trade, so that's why we said you better hit on those. Welcome back to NFL Live. How about a quick flashback to the 2000 Combine? Actually, the first Combine to be broadcast in color television it was. Brady Blaze, the 5-2-8, 40-yard dash managed him. 24.5 vertical lead. Boys getting up there. And his average Joe shirtless pick. The stuff of legend. Here is a baby goat, Mr. Tom Brady, back in the day. Tom Brady making his ninth appearance in a Super Bowl. Tom Brady is the NFL's greatest history maker. Six Super Bowl titles. The most by any player to ever play the game. Best ever. Right. Ever. I love you. Know ever. I love you. I love that. Ever. The Patriots enrich the legacy of the greatest quarterback with this win. 
But the man who continues to rewrite the history books began his career by authoring a famously inauspicious performance at the NFL Scouting Combine. How bad was Tom Brady's combine? Well, when you compare it to the players that I had written up, we talked about 576 quarterbacks. He was number 576 in terms of speed and that vertical jump. When you run a 5-2-4-40, there's going to be a red flag. Athleticism. You look at that aspect of it. Athleticism and speed being a question. Obviously, the NFL felt like there were a lot of issues whether he could even be a starting quarterback in the NFL, let alone a Hall of Fame quarterback. So that's why he's available in the sixth round for a New England Patriot team that took six players before him, and it took a player in the sixth round before him. And all the picks that they had in that draft class did nothing. Tom Brady was the only one that became a quality starter for the New England Patriots. Pretty amazing how that all unfolded. He always was quick, wasn't he? He always had, <laughs> always had some quick feet on him. So the NFL films, I love this thing. The Hey Rookie series returns to ESPN with an inside look at the NFL scouting combine. So that's coming your way shortly. Welcome in now, Jim Nagy. He's a four-time Super Bowl champ as a scout, executive director now of the Reese Senior Bowl. So, Jim, you were a scout with Brady during the sort of developmental days down there with him. Give me one of your best Brady stories. If you I can't one. believe we just did him like that. That picture's got to go away at some point. But a, a good to, to resurrect that a little bit, a good Tom story for me. The first year I got to New England was 2002, right after that first Super Bowl. Yep. You know, Tom won MVP. They had the tie-in with Cadillac. So, like all the athletes, he, he picked Escalade. He got his Escalade. And he didn't drive that um, back to the facility the whole next year. He drove the same beat-up. I think it was a Jeep Wrangler that he had at Michigan. Just so the guys in the locker room didn't think that he thought he arrived, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows that Tom got it from a young age. And that's what all these scouts and coaches are looking to do at the Combine right now is figuring out who gets it and who doesn't get it. Yeah. Let's let's shift real quick to this this year's quarterback class. Kind of give me the 30,000 feet, if you will. How does it compare to some in recent years, maybe? Yeah, I think this year's class is a little different because we had two first-year starting quarterbacks really enter in the process kind of late. No one, no one expected mm-hmm. Kyler Murray. No one really expected Dwayne Haskins. So these guys, you throw those in with the, the Daniel Jones and the Drew Locks of the world, now, now that really beefs up the class. Whereas last year, you went into the year, everyone thought Darnold, Allen, you know, that whole group, Baker. So um, this group has really been beefed up in the last couple weeks. So let's go through a couple of these quarterbacks who are who are not eligible for the Senior Bowl. Let's start with Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, got a late start on Dwayne uh, just last week because, like you said, he wasn't a Senior Bowl guy. Um, but what he is, he's a classic pocket passer. You know, he's big, he's strong. And what I liked about him was I watched a couple early games and he struggled. Purdue was not a good game. Um, he did not look like a future franchise quarterback. But you go late in the year against Michigan, uh, the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern, you see it. You see the arm strength. You see the pocket awareness. What I did didn't see, and again, it'd have to be a deeper dive with more tape. Um, I didn't see him get hit a lot, you know, and so so that's one of those things as a as a one year starter. There's not that big body of work, so um, I would like to see how he responded when he got hit because the games I looked at, he hadn't been hit. Yeah, let's go to Oklahoma. Probably one of the more intriguing guys because he's shorter than we've ever seen go in the first round. Talking right. about Oklahoma's Kyler Murray. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about the height thing. I mean, he's got to reset the bar. You know, yeah. Russell Wilson a couple years ago went from Drew Brees at six feet. Now to Russell down at 5'10 and 5'8s. Now Kyler's probably going to get this thing. The scouts I've talked to is going to be in the 5'9-ish range. So now you're, you're resetting the bar probably two inches lower. Yep. Um, but dynamic athlete, uh, anyone can see that. Um, but the other question I would have with him is he, he played behind the best offensive line in college football this year. Oklahoma, we had two guards in the senior bowl. They had two tackles that came out early. 
He, he threw from a clean pocket a lot. You don't get a lot of those throws in the NFL, so there's not a lot of gut pressure. Um, I would like to – NFL teams should go back, and, and they can do that. They can sort by different scenarios and situations in games. I would want to see under heavy duress, five, six-man pressures, how Kyler did. So height doesn't scare you at all with him? I feel like he can still get it done being 5'9", I, w- nine, I worked eights, for a team with Russell that. Wilson. So <laughs> you, yeah, then you've seen it. Then you've seen it firsthand. So let's get to some guys that were in the Reese Senior Bowl, which you run – Drew Locke uh, out of Missouri. Let's start with him. Yeah, Drew was a lot of fun to have down at the Senior Bowl. He, the really thing that showed out with Drew is his personality. He's got he's got some charisma to him. Um, he's kind of got a loosey goosey thing where you know that stuff's going to roll off him. And it was it was really cool to see him interact with John Gruden and the staff down there because you know John can John can get after guys and he did during the week and. You know, I think that Drew's a guy that handled that really well. He's got the huge arm. We just showed that underhand pass that he threw. So the arm talent's all there. Um, you know, there was talk about Drew coming out last year, and there's some guys that I know in the league that, that studied Drew last year and did that whole class that thought that he would have been at the top of last year's class. So, you know, that really hasn't materialized in terms of the talk out there, but I know there's people in the league that think this guy's a lock franchise quarterback. Let's talk real quick about the MVP of that senior bowl, and it is, it is Jones out of Duke. Uh, how much did he maybe help himself out in that game? What's your overall view of him? You know, Daniel had a really good week because it's 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 how you start. So he he went he was on John Gruden's team as well. You know, learning all the verbiage and the West Coast system and getting in a huddle. You know, like these guys are used to being in college football and looking over and seeing you know Mickey Mouse and Goofy on the play card and that's their play. Yep. So he had to get out and get in the huddle and, and spit that verbiage out and have John Gruden in his ear. So the first couple days were you know it was a little baptism by fire if you will. And then in the game he really showed out. He moved his team. He had a rushing touchdown, a throwing touchdown. In terms of just traits for the position, size, athleticism, arm strength, he has all that. He he is a he is a franchise guy when you. Break him down that way, and I think that uh, he peaked at the right time in the game. Check first round box on him. I, too I, soon. I, yeah, I say so. For you, okay. Yeah, let's get so to Auburn's Jarrett Stidham. Yeah, again, when you're a scout, sometimes it's where you start. Whatever tape you put in first. If it's yeah. a bad game, you kind of got to build off that. If it's a really good game, it takes a lot of bad football to come down from that. But a couple years ago, we were at the Alabama Pro Day, bunch of scouts. We drove over to Auburn, and, and Gus Malzahn opened up practice. And uh, Stidham had just transferred from Baylor. He was lighting it up. It was unbelievable to all levels, short, intermediate, deep. And I had to grab one of the guys on the staff, one of my coaching buddies, and and said, is this this kid every day? He goes, yeah, Jim, this is him every day. So he he throws a beautiful ball. I've said it before. He looks like he came out of the room throwing a football. Mechanically, he's the best in this class. The ball just comes off his hand really clean. Again, I don't think he had the year that he expected to have. I don't think Auburn fans had the year that they expected. But a lot of times at the quarterback, you've got to look around what happened at the quarterback position. And I think you saw in the bowl game when, when Coach Malzahn was calling those plays and they put up 56 points in one half. Um, I think Jared's a potential starter as well. Yeah. Are you yeah. going to have any quarterback you want quickly? Who, who are you going to ride with? Whew, that's Thought a good one. I, I would go with Drew Locke. Wow. Okay. We're going to get a whole lot more on the non-quarterbacks uh, still to come later on in NFL Live. Welcome back to NFL Live. Our top story is Robert Kraft, who has formerly been charged with two counts of soliciting another to commit prostitution. Yesterday, we learned that one of those instances was January 20th. That night, Kraft jetted west to watch the Patriots beat the Chiefs and earn a trip to Super Bowl 53. So here is Michelle Steele, who is all over this story in Jupiter, Florida. 
Robert Kraft is taking these charges seriously, hiring the same high-powered attorney who represented multi-millionaire sex offender Jeffrey Epstein to represent him. Now, since then, there's been some speculation in the last 24 hours that Kraft might contest these charges, especially in light of the strong denial put out by a spokesman on Friday. But after speaking to the Jupiter Police Department and the state attorney, they point to multiple forms of evidence that prove, quote, beyond a reasonable doubt that Kraft is guilty of these charges. Now, what I can say for certain is that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Let's just go through the timeline. On January 17, police had obtained enough evidence through outside surveillance and what's called a trash pull behind the spa to justify secretly installing video cameras inside rooms at the day spa. On January 18, that's the next day, Kraft left Massachusetts for Palm Beach. On January 19, upon exiting the spa after having engaged in an illicit sexual act, police conducted a traffic stop on his Bentley. He handed over his Massachusetts license. It's then, that's the critical point of identification. He returned the next day, the day of the AFC title game. He was captured on video again. I should mention the video is now the subject of a legal fight. Attorney Richard Kibbe, who represents some defendants but not Kraft, told me he has filed a complaint to keep all the video, including Kraft's, under seal. Outside the Jupiter Police Department, I'm Michelle Steele, ESPN. Great stuff, Michelle. So let, let's recap this on Kraft. He's been charged with two misdemeanor counts of solicitation, which include penalties of up to one year in jail, along with a fine and community service, service that is. A spokesman for Kraft already categorically denied any engagement in illegal activity. So that is what we have right now. All eyes will be in Indianapolis coming up. The 2019 NFL Combine is this week. So head coaches, GMs, kick us off with media Wednesday and Friday. On-field workouts begin Friday with running backs and offensive linemen going through drills at Lucas Oil. But the main event will be Saturday. The quarterbacks, wide receivers take part in their workouts. Top quarterback prospect Dwayne Haskins has already confirmed he will throw on Saturday. And then Sunday, the defense takes center stage. Defensive line, linebackers do their thing on field drills, including top overall prospect Nick Bosa. And on Monday, the defensive backs hit the Audubon to close things out. Top-rated DB right now is LSU's Greedy Williams. So there you go. Let's go through all the top storylines now as we head into the combine. Ryan Clark will start us off with Antonio Brown. I know a little bit about this guy. Listen, Antonio Brown for the last six years has been the most productive wide receiver in the league, but we all know he has to go to the NFC because unlike Hawk wants them to do, they are not accepting all offers. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, the Green Bay Packers, with an extra first-round pick, you have to go after this guy. He's the type of guy that can change your passing attack. And also, if you look at what you have to deal with with dealing with him, you need to make sure your head coach is strong enough to handle Antonio Brown's personalities. Those talks will be going on at the Combine. Next, we got Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is one of the best backs of this generation, and I chose those words wisely. became a polarizing figure because he took the business of football into his own hands. The fact of the matter is this. Whatever locker room he ends up walking into instantly becomes a playoff contender, and that includes the Bills, the 49ers, or even the Jets. People not only want to see the destination he ends up, but also what size Brinks truck they give him when he gets there because the money will be the determining factor of whether or not he's handled this situation the right way. Good, Diana. Guys, I'm going to the Combine in two days, and I'm going to be running down Eagles GM Howie Roseman because I've got so many questions for him, one being... Is this report true? Are they going to franchise tag Nick Foles and then tag him? Because, excuse me, and then trade him. My issue with this is 
They gave him in the contract that option to buy out. Two million bucks, right? Foles did that. He wants to test out the free agency market. But if they slap the franchise tag on him and trade him, he doesn't get to pick his team. So it's really only working one way. This contract doesn't work for both sides. Well, that's how it works. Well, it's <laughs> not look, fair. Hey, guys, hey, with the combine coming up, Nick Bosa's all eyes are going to be on him. This is a guy that got injured during the season and decided to sit out the rest of the year to prepare for the NFL. He's definitely benefiting from his brother's success with the Los Angeles Chargers. Nick is not necessarily that every down player that Joey was, but he gets after the passer. He creates turnover. And everybody knows how important it is for an edge rusher. If he shows well this week, he can solidify himself as the number one prospect. I definitely better bring my running sneakers because after I chase down Howie Roseman, I'm going after Giants GM Dave Gettleman because I want to know. Are you done with Eli or not? Are you going to give him another season? Because there is a quarterback right now that I think could step in and play. The Ohio State quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, of course, he was a Heisman candidate, 50 touchdown passes, almost 5,000 yards, a 70% completion percentage. He's arguably the most complete and NFL-ready quarterback. Giants, Jags, Dolphins, they're all looking at this guy. Speaking of quarterbacks, we got Kyler Murray. Everybody's wondering what kind of ceiling he has. His ceiling is as high as any quarterback that's been drafted over the last five but years. But is the ceiling the roof? It, the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> and as the unofficial spokesperson for undersized football players, <laughs> I am here to tell you that the whole height issue is a myth. Look at other shorter quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield, Doug Flutie. On top of that, I could spend the remaining Doug time is. on this show telling you how quarterbacks over six foot are terrible. But I won't do that. If you have the skill, the height doesn't matter. And this kid has the skill to be one of the best. Spoken like a guy that's not very tall. (laughs) And the truth is, the NFL is just changing. There's no other way to put it. The game is totally changing. But if he is taken in the first round, it will be the first quarterback ever to go in round one that's under six feet, which is insane when you think about it. So there you go. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and <laughs> I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire, but with Geico, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. Okay, so Saturday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. It's on ABC. Take that note. It'll be the NFL Scouting Combine from Lucas Oil. Special coverage of the quarterback workouts. The beginning tomorrow, NFL Live will be live from Indy on ESPN. And the NFL Network will have their usual full coverage Wednesday through Monday. And that is what you need to know for the upcoming week. Welcome now into the film room brought to you by Verizon. Back to the executive director of the Reese's. Senior Bowl, four-time Super Bowl champs. Scott, he is Jim Nagy. So, Jim, take me through some non-quarterbacks from the Senior Bowl. Let's start with Montez Sweat, some guys that may be able to make some noise first round. Yeah, Montez was a guy that he didn't have to come down to prove he could rush the passer because he's done that at a high level in the SEC. Back-to-back years, double-digit sacks. What he needed to prove through the season and then again at the Senior Bowl was what he's going to do as a run defender. He's a big, long-bodied guy. He is strong. He is powerful. But just is he going to anchor in? Is he going to play the run like that? And he did. He showed up in the game, really. Uh, more so than even in practices against the run. He made some plays at the point of attack. 
And he also, when you see this guy cover ground, wait till his 40 this week at the combine. This guy's going to run really fast. He doesn't always look like it because he's a long strider, but you see this guy cover ground, he can really chase. Yeah. Okay. So let's get let's get to another guy, maybe a lesser known name as we go through this whole draft process from Louisiana Tech. He's a defensive end, Jalen Ferguson. Yeah, Jalen Ferguson, all-time leading sack leader in college football, 45 sacks, kind of to match his number 45. Broke Terrell Suggs' record. So what he's got, I compare him a little bit uh, to last year's player from the Senior Bowl, Marcus Davenport, who came into the Senior Bowl kind of a, a early second-round pick and shot up the boards all the way to 14 in New England, or, uh, to New Orleans. And, and Jalen's kind of the same way, but he, he's a looser rusher. He's got a little more shake to his game. He's got really heavy, powerful hands like Davenport did. But Davenport was a little more straight line as an athlete. And, uh, gosh, Jalen came down and in the game really, really caused havoc uh, as a pass rusher in the game. Yeah, let's get into the big dogs real quick. Yeah. Weekend. North Carolina State is where he's from, a center Garrett Bradbury, what do you think? Yeah, you don't say this a lot with an offensive lineman, but Garrett was really fun to watch this fall. I mean, you put on the tape, immediately you see it. Uh, His initial quickness and his lateral quickness in in the run game, reaching and pulling, uh, his mobility is off the charts. He really, in terms of that initial quickness and that snap to step, it's as good as I've seen in a long time. So somebody's going to draft this guy to come in and and start next year, uh, year one, as a a rookie starter at center. He's also played some guard there. He's a tough guy. He's a blue-collar guy. Um, To me, he's a slam dunk. He's really an easy pick. He's a safe pick. All right, let's get over to the receivers. South Carolina wide out, Debo Samuel. Yeah, Debo, Debo's another guy that had a great senior bowl week. Coming into the year, like, you know, you thought last year he might have come out early as a junior. He had five touchdowns in his first three games and then got a really bad leg injury. So he came back to school this year. And I went to see him in October play Missouri, and he didn't look right. He didn't really look himself. He looked a little heavy. And then you get to late in the year, and he, he really started around and informed the Clemson game. He was off the charts. And he came down to Senior Bowl, and he was really uncoverable. He can play him inside, outside. He's got return value. Um, so to me, he's a guy that's sneaking into that late first-round conversation just based off what he did in Mobile. Yeah, we got your Brady story earlier. We, we want a little Belichick story. If you'll stick around with us, we'll, we'll welcome you back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, the game of tag has already begun. Robbie Gold was the first player given the franchise tag this offseason, and we are one week away from the deadline for teams to designate their franchise or transition players, which is March 5th, 4 p.m. Eastern. Some of the biggest names could be tagged pass rushers, those are. Lawrence, Jadavion Clowney, D. Ford over in KC. So we're going to get the latest from all those from Diana. So, Diana, on the players with potential to be tagged, let's start with Clowney. What are you hearing about how his financials might work? Well, this is certainly one of the biggest names that we're keeping an eye on as the deadline is approaching here. And I talked to a source with the Houston Texans this past week about what their plans are. And it was explained to me that they're most likely going to go forward with placing that franchise tag on Clowney. They do not want to lose him, of course, but they still have some concerns about his health. He's only played one full season. He had some knee injuries. He's a three-time Pro Bowler. He just turned 26 years old so the plan is to franchise tag him and when I followed up with just you know why not just give him the extension again it's just those question marks about whether or not he can hold up but in terms of his play the way he can wreak havoc on defense is what stands out and in terms of his speed and his quickness whenever you talk about this player those are the words that that coaches always use to describe him yeah let's get out west go to KC yeah D Ford, great year, but a rough end uh, to it. What are they going to do with him? That's what's so unfair with the D Ford situation is we all have that one memory of him, despite the fact that he had just such a tremendous breakout season. And Kansas City's GM, he came out, right? He's like, Ford is coming back. And the franchise tag is most likely the route, is from what I can learn. A one-year deal really makes sense for the Chiefs' perspective, considering 
This contract year, he really exploded. 13 sacks, seven forced fumbles, but him staying most likely means that Justin Houston will be gone in Kansas City. Okay, so there you go. A little, little note, something to think about. Last offseason, five players received the franchise tag. Le'Veon Bell, Demarcus Lawrence, Jarvis Landry, the biggest names in that group. Bell and Lawrence now both looking for huge paydays. So there you go. Let's get over to some stories. What do you say? Let's get over to the guys. It's still the quarterback FL. You know that. It's a lot of combine buzz going on. Usually revolves around those top three or four quarterbacks. This year, the biggest questions are about an undersized Kyler Murray, who is said to have bulked up to 206 pounds. Of that, we will see. But now the debate is on whether or not he should throw or not this weekend. Our Josina Anderson already told us Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins is expected to throw this Saturday. Alabama running back Josh Jacobs will participate in limited drills this week. He's dealing with a groin injury. Jacobs is the number one running back in the draft in a projected first-round pick. And Baylor wide receiver Jalen Hurd will not participate in drills due to a minor knee scope. So that is the latest and greatest as we go into Combine Week. Take a look look at Hurd out of Baylor right there. So we'll we'll, we'll come back now. We have Jim Nagy alone with Ryan and Hawk in here as as you finish up the highlight. Jim, you're an NFL scout for 18 years. You won titles with Holmgren, with Belichick, with Pete Carroll. Talk to me some about their mind process as, as we'd go through the draft. How were they similar? How were they different? I think the thing that connected all those guys is they're invested in the process, right? There's some coaches that just kind of want to sit back and let the personnel guys do their thing, uh, let the scouts do their thing. But those guys were all invested. So take you back to a, the first year Pete was in Seattle, 2010. I wasn't even with the Seahawks at the time. And the, the Senior Bowl used to have a, a really spread out practice form where there was time in between to go back to the hotel. And there was an exo station set up with all the tape. And I go down there to watch tape between practice. And who's there? Pete Carroll's down there watching tape between practices, which told me something. And then when I, in my time in New England, Bill Belichick always sat aside a day during the year to watch college tape, which not a lot of, college, not a lot of pro coaches do. They'll get through the season and, and, and get through the grind of coaching and then kind of jump into the college draft. And, and Bill just kept, kept it all the way through the season, one day, one day a week. And uh, it just shows their investment. That's yeah. how they were the same. Yeah, No doubt. Two NFL studs, these guys over on the end were. <laughs> yeah, uh, but without the combine invite. I mean, I, 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 I honestly, I couldn't believe it when they told me earlier today. Tell me some of your stories about going through this whole process. Well, the, the, the cool thing for me was because I wasn't a combine invite, I wasn't invited to any games like the Senior Bowl, there weren't a lot of agents who were willing to pay for me to train. So what I did was I got the key to LSU's indoor facility. And I would go there at night after classes because I knew I wasn't getting drafted or I was getting drafted late, so I needed my degree. So mm-hmm. I stayed in school. I would go after school. I would train myself. I would do 225 as many times as I can, rack it, do it again. I would go run the four. I even had a girlfriend at the time who would come time me. And if I had her timing at my pro day, I would have ran four, too. I think she was just trying to make me feel good. But I trained myself. I went to pro day. I did well. And, you know, the rest, I guess, is history. Yeah, I mean, same thing. Grind it from the bottom. I was a guy. I went to pro day. And this is why I advocate for Kyler Murray. He shouldn't even take a measurement of height at the combine. On my pro day, I took clay from a craft store, molded it to my heels to add an extra two inches and put weights in my pocket so I can get over 1.8 and be listed at 5.8. Things that didn't matter, but it was my way of equaling the playing field of a game. That's not equaling the playing field. It is, because if that's what they're considering, if that's what is you have to be this tall to ride the NFL ride, I knew I had to do that in order to get in. I got in. 
I played better than all the tall guys, man. And I was at Shout this out guy's, to Kyler Murray. I was at this guy's pro day, so he, I, he got t- me. So you I got him. Guys I'm that supposed to catch that. I'm supposed to catch that as a scout, and I missed it. He got me. I mean, there's no there's no pat down process. Like I feel like I feel like now. there is now. After now. this show, there's going to be a pat down process. Absolutely. Okay. The clay, hey, the you have to take people's feet. They're going to be looking at the bottom of people's feet. Thank you. Thank you. I got to say, I've heard a lot of draft stories. The clay on the feet may be the most creative I've ever heard. You got to give me some of that, Hall. That shows how bad you wanted it, though, bro. Rest coverage. Welcome back to NFL Live from ESPN.com writer Kevin Seifert, Giants owner John Mara. A competition committee member said that he is skeptical of the NFL finding enough votes to make any substantive changes to replay. That's by far the most definitive statement we've heard this offseason <laughs> on that, the issue. That is for sure. The competition, what do you think, Diana? Well, the competition committee, they met on Monday for two hours, and uh, really the only topic of conversation that they were having there was was the replay pass interference. Uh, of course, we're talking about the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game between the Rams and the Saints, the play that we saw over and over again. Head coach Sean Payton is in that meeting, and you can probably guess what he was yeah. uh, trying to advocate for, but it seems that right now it doesn't look like it's I've been to in change. those meetings before. Yeah. I've been in those competition committee meetings, and it's so much talk to get any type of movement on any topic. Yeah. And obviously Sean Payton's going to be leading the charge because he was affected, but to get those other coaches and other members to buy in is extremely difficult. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's what we have for now uh, with regard to replay. Let's get to this. Adam Schefter reported yesterday Baltimore Ravens released Wide receiver Michael Crabtree. So Crabtree hits the free agent market. Becomes one of the top wide receiver options available. As for the others on the market, we're going to go through this thing. Golden Tate, 74 passes with the Lions and Eagles last season. What he caught, likely the headliner of this class. Some of the best receivers available. You're going to take a look at all these guys. Crabtree's going to be on the list. John Brown, one of the Ravens teammates of Crabtree, along with Tyrell Williams and Jamison Crowder. So we're going to have... Hawk, break it down for us. We are going to go through the top free agent wide receivers. We'll start you at three. We'll go down to one. Who are you looking at? All right, top free agent wide receivers. We're going to start with number three. I'm going to go with Jamison Crowder. Do I got to move it? Mm. Tap it. Tap it? Now tap it over here. Come on, help me out, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, I got Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder, is. a guy who excels in the slot, faced some injuries in 2018, but he was a model of consistency for the Redskins organization. Yeah, 29 catches, 388 yards, two touchdowns. This was one of those receivers that Jay Gruden, any chance he got to talk about Jamison Crowder, he would talk about him. And I remember thinking, what is he seeing at practice that no one else is seeing? Because when he was healthy, he was explosive, but those injuries then became a problem. His production after the catch is what Gruden was in love with. He's played with Kirk Cousins before. The Minnesota Vikings could use a receiver, and that's something I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. And the Redskins could, too. Where are you going number two? I'm going number two. I'm going with John Brown. He is a Mm. beneficiary of a change of scenery, spending most of his career in Arizona, then went to Baltimore, seen a bit of a resurgence. He could play the inside. He can play the Mm. outside and now looks to cash in on a relatively weak wide receiver market. Yeah, 17 receptions with the Ravens. Had a really strong season. Guys, he's young enough. Uh, although if I was to say there was a little bit of a blemish with him, it's drop passes. That That's sort of the reputation he has. But, again, young enough to make those improvements, he can certainly find a team and make some good money. Top dog, who are you going with? Top dog, golden right. standard, golden tape. <laughs> a guy who came in was huge for Philadelphia down the stretch. He's done it in Detroit, did it in the Seahawks. To me, he's one of the most undervalued wide receivers mm-hmm. in the league. 
Every time he gets a big deal, he delivers, and this should be no different. He gets to cash in. Some concerns about his age. Yep. He'll be 30 years old. He's a strong inside piece. And, you know, you talk about the production he had with Philly. I just kept thinking if they could just figure out how to use him right, mm-hmm. he is so dangerous. But there's certainly going to be a market for what I think we could all agree is probably the number one receiver out there. But that said, I don't think this is the most impressive group no, of receivers Hawk, in the agency. needs to go back. I might make a comeback. <laughs> I might. He started, way, started working out this morning, too. Put your the pocket the clay on the ankles. <laughs> that was a nice IG story, by the way. I got that. I got that. So Landon Collins. Landon Collins has been expected to move on from New York and free agency. And last week, he responded to reports about items remaining in his locker in a tweet that read, the stuff in that locker I have left. I do not need even through that little 100 emoji on there, the little world-famous 100 emoji. So Collins is going to headline a loaded group of free agent safeties that are going to hit this open market. So we are going to get it to Ryan Clark right now. Rank them for us, 3-1. to one. Who do you like? Well, I know this guy is about to be 30 years old, but Earl Thomas is a player. We saw him get carted off last year, and we saw the goodbye that he gave <laughs> to the Seattle Seahawks as he was leaving. He had three interceptions early on in the season last year. He's a guy that can go sideline to sideline. He's training. He's running. He's healthy right now. To me, Errol Thomas is one of the top three safeties on the market. Yeah, Ryan, a three-time All-Pro safety. Obviously, some questions about his age. He's 29 years old. He'll be 30 by the time training camp comes around. But, guys, I think we know where he wants to go. He's made it clear. Remember, down in Dallas, he was chasing after Jerry. Come get me. Come get me. me. I like that. And Dallas is interested in him. And now they think about Demarcus Lawrence's deal hopefully soon to be done. I think that this is going to be a situation that we will see work out and Thomas will find a home in Dallas. All right, number two. Well, number two, we're going to go to a guy, a fellow Tiger, Mm. and that's Tyron. Oh, I've messed it up. Number three. Switch it up. Tyron Matthew here. We put Earl back there. Tyron Matthew, he's a guy that had a change of scenery, as Hawk has talked about. He went to the Houston Texans. He played all over. He was the dime, the nickel, free safety, played deep, played close to the line. He's a guy who creates turnovers and also gives you versatility. Showed he could stay healthy next uh, last year. So I look forward to seeing where he will go and what piece he can add to a team this offseason. And he was really cheap. Texans yep. got him for one year, $7 million. And considering how productive it was, it was certainly a steal for Houston. But I was thinking about this. What coach out there has been part of him or at least has coached him before that could definitely use him? How about Tampa Bay? Mm-hmm. We got Bruce Arians there. We got Todd yeah. Bowles calling the defense there. They know him well. That seems like that would be a really good fit for Tyron Matthew. Number one. And number one, it's the same way we started, so this is how we're in. <laughs> and listen, I, like you, read his tweet. I saw the tweet from Josina Anderson, so I shot him a text. I said, mm-hmm. well, bro. What's happening? He's like, man, I don't need none of that junk that I left. And so Landon Collins, he's the guy who's been to the Pro Bowl the last three years, coming off of a shoulder injury. We'll see how he recovers from that. He's a playmaker on the back end. He's great in the box. He's a vicious tackler. To me, he's a guy who could be a huge piece of a team because he's also only 24 years old. Yeah, he is young. And contracts or contract talks have stalled between between his agent and uh, the Giants organization at this point. But if you look at it this way, the Giants, they still have a few days left before they can franchise tag him if they still decide to do that. But otherwise, guys, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's going to hit the market, and the Giants aren't going to get anything for him. And, and to, to add to what Ryan's saying, I think that would be a big loss for the Giants, although some I've spoken to say Landon Collins isn't going anywhere. Why is it that teams aren't valuing safeties, Ryan? Like, all yeah. the good safeties are on the market. All the receivers <laughs> get a lot of <laughs> 
was getting locked up. Hey, man, it's, a, it's an undervalued position, bro. Uh, my bad, man. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> Who's the most you – know, let's talk teams. Like, who is the most needy when it comes to the safety position? Well, you know what? There's a lot of teams that could use safeties. And you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers having young safeties, right? You got Davis, and now you, you draft Edmonds last year. They were weak down the middle. They want to move Edmonds closer to the box. And obviously I go Pittsburgh because they have a history of having yeah. great safeties. You know, you got Troy Palomalu. We've watched Carnell Lake. And Landon Collins would be a guy who could add to that. And when I think about Tyron Matthew, I look at Cleveland. Mm. Right, you look at Cleveland, they do have Randall, they have Jabril Peppers, but that's a, a, a guy that you can plug in, play different positions, and now Steve Wilkes has an added piece to put to this new defense he wants to run in yeah. Cleveland. Those are three, those are three pretty unbelievable players sitting there. Landon Collins is only one of three safeties to make the Pro Bowl the last three seasons. The other those guys, Harrison Smith, Eric Weddle, both those dudes are pretty rich. Good company there for <laughs> Put this on. Oh, go oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really you know big head and it never goes on. Oh, this does not even feel oh, yeah. right. I need a star on this thing. I've had a lot to do with both of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going with Andy Reid and those Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Put the hell on you. I'm all in on those Denver Broncos. Wow. <laughs> Getting up. Here we go. Adam Schefter has the mini helmets that go on his mini head. I'm going to put the hat on there. I feel mobile with the shot. Hit him with the brown belt one time. Who is that? I pulled my groin on the brown belt. That was me. All right, let's get to uh, it's Hat Tuesday, man. It, it, we're going to tell you right now what, what prospect we should have your team all in on. It's combine week. Let's start it off. Where are we going? Ryan, what starts off? Oh, for me, I'm going to walk down this way, and I'm going to go Arizona Cardinals. Stop just talking about it, Cliff Kingsbury, and go get Kyler Murray. We know Josh Rosen is not your guy. Be a man, stand up, and go grab the guy you want and be that dude. Air Raid takes over Arizona. I doesn't fit. I tried. Right. <laughs> I am all in on the Raiders. They have three uh, picks in that first round. They have a pick in the a top pick in the second round. And here's my thought: at the combine, you need to figure out, scout hard, watch these players, meet with them, because John Gruden, Mike Mayock, you got to get it right. I'm going New York Giants. Listen, if the Giants pass on Dwayne Haskins, New York fans should be protesting in the street. Makes too much sense. Eli's successor, homegrown product, has all the tools. Put the helmet on, Hulk. I'm not putting it on. Put the helmet on, Hulk. I'm a brown in the back. I'm putting that on. Thanks for watching. Y'all have fun. (laughs) Live from Indy tomorrow.